are the decisions in your life being dictated by fear or by what you actually want? Uh, so that's one of the topics that we cover in today's episode amongst many others. Welcome back to Mastering You Guys, the Lifestyle Performance Podcast. I'm Matt Sutton, and I'm your host once again for another mastery session. Today, we are mastering emotions with Claudia Garber from Germany. Claudia has a background in molecular biology. She's also a certified life coach, cognitive behavioral therapist, NLP practitioner, and clinical hypnotherapist. So she has many strings to her bow <laughs> in order to help you achieve your own mastery. And she shares lots of wisdom in this episode itself. Uh, she also shares her own story, which is quite, quite similar to mine, actually, sort of surprised me at the time. I won't give it away now, but she shares how this particular event made her completely reevaluate, relook at how she lived a life in which was a life that she realized was being run on fear. And it was certainly responsible for her interesting further learning on human behavior and, and why we think the way that we think and why we do the things that we do. So we were definitely on the same page, me and Claudia, really enjoyed having this chat with her. Um, in her own coaching practice, she helps people bridge the gap between psychology and physiology using science-based methods that allow her clients to be more productive, happier, resilient, and stress tolerant so that they can handle the ups and downs of life without burning out, um, particularly helping entrepreneurs and leaders in management. So yeah, this was, um, this was fun. If you would like to find out more about Claudia, she actually has a free download, a really cool audio that you listen to each morning for four to six weeks. And the idea is to essentially rewire your brain, reprogram your mind so that you can show up in the world more confidently, focused and relaxed. Um, so you can head on over to the show notes and you can find that link in there if you want to prime your brain for success. And but without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Claudia Garbert. Claudia, welcome to Mastering You today. How are we doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, so your topic of discussion of mastery, that's what this podcast is all about, is different areas of mastery that we can achieve in our life. And um, currently for, for you, you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs and executives and, and people, leadership um, in particular. And, you know, uh, one of the things I always like to find out first is, is how you got to this point. What, why are we working in, in this field and, and what is your passion behind this? Well, I guess for me, <laughs> the road to where I am today was very windy. It wasn't straightforward at all. So my background is actually as a molecular biologist, so completely different background. Um, but then I had a couple of key experiences in my life that kind of changed the trajectory, I would say. And one of those key experiences was when I was 28, I was diagnosed with leukemia. So I have had, I have always led a very, what, what you would think of as a healthy life. So I, I had always done um, lots of sports, lots of workout. I ate a healthy diet. So kind of this, this kind of came out of the blue. 
And from one day to the next, so actually I was training for a half marathon at the time. At least I was trying to, and I couldn't really because I was so tired. And I went to the doctor just to get it checked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Basically told them, I want to run a half marathon, but something is very wrong. Could you mm -hmm. maybe just have a blood test done? So he did. And the next day I found myself getting one of those dreaded calls. Like when you went to the doctor and they call you back on the phone and they say, can you come in straight away? But we don't want to tell you why over the phone. Then, mm. you know, something is very, very wrong. Right? Yeah. We have so, something in common there. I was also training ooh. for a half marathon when at the age of 27, I, I was also diagnosed with cancer. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Crazy, <laughs> right? That's so crazy. Yeah. Carry on with your story. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really crazy. Yeah. So I, I, I had to come back and they basically said, well, it looks like something is very wrong with your blood. So you should go to hospital straight away. So from one day to the next, I found myself at, well, at the hospital facing a potentially deadly illness, having to start chemotherapy straight away. And in that moment, I, I realized a very peculiar feeling and that was relief and that was so weird to me because usually when you think about those situations where you face death right you don't think about relief it's usually a oh, oh my goodness why why me or fear or despair or something along those lines but for me it really was relief and in that moment i understood why because at that point in my life, I was facing a major burnout. I was in a difficult relationship. There were so many things that were going on in my life, but I never took the time to take a step back and really deal with them or just to say, okay, this is not working for me. I need to change something because mm -hmm. the way I grew up was that you just, w w once you started something, you finished it. You didn't quit. And you didn't take a break. You were most people in my family, they just work 24 seven, basically. So that's kind of what I had internalized. And finally, I had this excuse to take a break. Mm. And it was so weird because finally I could take a break without feeling guilty or bad about it. And when you when you say it like that, it sounds so crazy, but a lot of people, we just go through the motions. We just do what we think we are expected to do. And we never take the time to reassess the situation, right? Yeah. hundred percent. And that's when I realized that up to that point in my life, my, most of my decisions had been fear-based and that was something that I realized I didn't want to do anymore going forward, kind of intuitively, intuitively, I felt that if I wanted to beat cancer, I had to change that. I had to face those fears and I had to face uncertainty. And I really had to change what I was doing because I, it, it wasn't the way that I wanted to lead my life. Mm. That makes sense. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, obviously having gone through this similar thing, I, I can definitely empathize I think I went through some sort of similar myself I think definitely you know anything like that particularly at that age you, you sort of recalibrate and you you review things and you you look at your life differently right so obviously this took you on a journey to where we are today um, and your, your big passion now is, is really helping people 
gain that self-awareness to manage their emotions better and in doing this you know helping particularly entrepreneurs and executives and, and leaders be- become better leaders how do the two relate so what i what i learned along the way was really that the more self-aware we become the more we are able to understand others. I think there is a quote that you can only meet others as deeply as you have met yourself. And this is something that I have found to be true. The more we start to understand our own motivations, our own desires and our own behavior patterns, the more we also understand how other people think and behave. And this, this allows us to communicate more effectively and to also lead from a place of authenticity and instead of trying to manipulate others (laughs) or to have this fear-based like um or domination-based leadership style where you just try to impose or try to get people to do what you want um without leading them from a place of yeah compassion and authenticity if that makes sense Sure, sure. So give me some examples. Where, where, where do you start with helping and coaching people to, to do this better? So one of the things that people really need to understand is that all of our experiences are basically, they have two components. So we always have a perception component and we have an interpretation component. So all our experiences have this perception aspect that's like all your um, five senses plus your internal interoception, etc. All those give you data points, but it's not the data points alone that determine your exper- experience that you're having. It's also how you interpret those data points, right? Yeah. And how you and studies have shown that the emotions you are feeling are not directly correlated to what's happening to you it's really correlated to how you interpret those events so depending if you're facing a challenging situation like you and i faced for instance so you're you're diagnosed with a potentially deadly illness you can look at this with despair and say Mm. oh my goodness that's it that's the end or you can look at it and say like okay this gives me a break this is a chance to start all over again. I can reassess everything. I need to change. I need to make changes in my life. So those are very different approaches to the same situation. And they are really what dictates the outcome. So for people like, like you and I who have faced this situation and we have chosen to see it as an opportunity, I think we are much more likely to actually survive and create the life that we want. And when you compare it to people who just give up in the same situation. And a lot of that is, do you talk a lot about how that is connected? So how the mind body is connected and and how just the, the thoughts that we have obviously do play a massive part in the biology of our own bodies. Yes, absolutely. So we're often not aware that every thought we have has a physiological equivalent. So every thought you think 
has a reaction or a physiological reaction in your body. So if you think happy thoughts, um, your brain will um, release neurotransmitters like dopamine or serotonin or something like that, something that feels makes you feel good. But if you think stressful thoughts, you will release stress hormones. So that's the short term effect of how your emotions influence your physiology. But then you also have these long term effects where the more you are stuck in a certain a certain um, thought pattern, for instance, you're actually starting to change the wiring of your brain. So you form new connections and you start to prune away old connections. So the way to think about it is, is what's known as Hebb's rule, neurons that wire together, fire together, wire together. So if you have the same neurons that are activated at the same time, they form a connection. The more you use the connection, the stronger it gets. And the, the opposite is also true. If you stop using that connection, it gets weaker over time. So it's really a use it or lose it principle. And yeah. that's how you can really rewire your brain <laughs> in, in the long run. Awesome. Yeah, it's good stuff. And so how do you, what, what are some common sort of mistakes when it comes to managing our brain and our emotions, particularly in the realms of kind of leadership and management and where, where can we do a better job? I think one of the things that I see a lot of that is that people think emotionally, emotional mastery means to only think positive thoughts, to not feel the negative emotions anymore. But that's not what emotional mastery is all about. To me, it's about being able to feel your emotions. So be comfortable with just sitting with your emotions for a moment, uh, labeling them, identifying them and understanding where they're coming from. Um, because it's your know, your emotions are never random. They they have a message that they that you need to hear. And that's what so many people are trying to avoid. They try to avoid those difficult to hear messages. But if you're angry, for instance, that's an indication that some sort of boundary has been violated and you absolutely want to know what by what boundary has been violated why it has been violated and how you can communicate that to other people without um alienating them right mm. so if you're just focusing on only the positive emotions you're losing a bit <laughs> a lot of the information and you do want to have access to all the information. So is and, that a common mistake made is, is uh, as leaders, yeah. is people trying to just, you know, put, put a positive spin on things all the time and, and trying to pretend that the, the bad stuff's not really happening. Exactly. To not validate people's feelings because they're difficult. You don't, oftentimes people don't want to deal with those difficult emotions. They don't want to see them. They don't want to hear about them. They just try to, uh, you know, ignore them. <laughs> yeah. What What are some key strategies for people to, to get better at that? Yeah, I think that self-awareness is really one of the, it, it's always the first step, right? So one of the things that I noticed in myself, for instance, say you scroll through your social media and you have a reaction and it just, in the moment, it's, it's a negative reaction, but we 
we seldom take the time to analyze what's really going on there, like label what's coming up and follow the thread, just understanding where's this reaction coming from? What is this trigger and why does it trigger me? This is something that I found so helpful just to understand those impulses. Why is, why is something making me angry? <laughs> or why do I get jealous when I see certain pictures? Where's this coming from? Mm. Just, you know, and trying to understand yourself better. And where, or how you, you mentioned like labeling it. So what, what does that look like? Can you give me an example of, of how that would, would pan out? Sure thing. So in the, for instance, you get an, maybe you get a, an angry comment or something on your social media feed. And the first reaction is maybe it, it just feels like, a, <laughs> like you've been punched in the face, right? It just feels bad. But why does it feel bad? Does it make you feel angry? So you've, you try to find the right label. Does it make you angry? Does it make you feel sad? Does it make you feel rejected? What is it that you're ex actually experiencing? And once you have found the right label, the one that just feels right, you can pull on that thread and try to understand that trigger, if that makes sense. So, so you would call it, you know, what could be an example of, of that, the name of that particular label? Um, maybe someone, so if you're feeling angry, that as I mentioned before, it's usually a sign that some sort of boundary has been violated. So you could ask yourself, what is the boundary that has been violated by say a comment on social media? What did the other, other person say that crossed a boundary? So that's how you can understand what, what is going on. And it also helps you to take things less personally because oftentimes they're not, it's not about you. It's about either your perceptions or about something that the other person, um, well, it's more about, or let's put it another way. What someone else does says something about them and how you react yeah, says something yeah. about you. And sometimes just having this point of view helps you to take things less personally. And, and obviously self-awareness is, is, is a practice that it takes time, doesn't it? It takes time and, yes. and patience to develop and, and get better. And uh, obviously, I'm, I'm sure people can understand how that would be really beneficial as, as a leader or entrepreneur or executive, particularly leading a team. But I'm guessing also, you know, being able to get your team on board as well and, and develop what what strategies do you recommend to kind of implement that so that it's not just someone at the head, like maybe it's like a team effort. Right. I think finding that common goal and communicating that clearly, that's the key aspect there. And as a leader, you have to show vulnerability as well. So you have to be able to say, okay, or to admit when things don't go the way that yeah. you, you planned, like it happens to all of us, but sometimes we just like to hide how we're feeling. So I think it's very important for the leader to lead by example and to honestly and openly communicate those things to get the team on board and to communicate effectively so that they can coordinate their efforts. That, that is the balancing act as a leader, isn't it? Because, the, you know, on one 
side you know you want to be the person that is steering the ship and you know giving that positivity to the team and and making you know it sound like you know things are going well and we're doing good and but the other side is that like that vulnerability you talked about that can almost that can be hard for people to hear if if the leader is sort of being vulnerable these you know things aren't going well this is what's happening but at the same time both both need to be looked after because in the long run if you're not being truthful to your team about what where things are at you know it doesn't work good for anyone in the end does it right so true and you also have to communicate what you expect from other people or where those boundaries are or what they look like to you so that everyone knows exactly <laughs> what yeah what it's all about and what they are striving for Are there any sort of key strategies, Claudia, that you recommend for people when they are hit with some kind of, you know, some big uncertainty or threat that's come out of nowhere? And, you know, the likelihood is for most people that they feel like reacting in the moment, but, you know, they manage to uh, sort of manage their emotions um, and achieve that mastery we talked about. What uh, are there any sort of strategies you recommend in that case? Oh, that's always difficult, right? <laughs> the heat of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it's always a good idea to really train yourself to take a step back and maybe just breathe for a moment to calm yourself down, to calm your nervous system down so that you can respond instead of react. Because that's what happens when we are overwhelmed by strong emotions. Your body goes into the fight or flight sympathetic activation. And that's where actually literally some regions of your brain, like the prefrontal cortex, that's important for reasoning and logic and all the good stuff, planning that mm -hmm. shuts down. So you don't have the cognitive bandwidth to make wise decision wise decisions in that state so you really have to calm yourself down maybe take a step back maybe leave the room for a moment and then come back and reassess the situations this helps you avoid those knee-jerk reactions that you later regret yeah i think it's just worth noting as well for anyone listening how you know, the, the chances of you making a really good decision in a high stress, high threat um, scenario are quite slim. And so, yeah. you know, if, if that, that occurs, just be aware of that. And, and sometimes, you know, they, they, they say, you know, take some time out, take a breath. You know, there's a reason why you hear that advice so often, because that's it's good advice, right? It's true. It's very true. And that, that takes me to another thing that I know you're really passionate about is habits. So habits are something that we coach our clients at LPT, building better habits. We have a, a little scorecard system that we use around their health and wellness. Um, and they are obviously around food, movement, but also stress management. And um, But you, you particularly keen on helping people develop what you call high performance habits um love to get into that a little bit what what do you consider to be a high performance habit so a high performance habit can look different for everyone it's just it depends on what goals they want to achieve so basically for me high performance habits are the habits that help you achieve your goals in the long run so for for me, uh, it includes things or habits that help you stay fit and healthy, 
it includes habits that help you with relaxation and emotional mastery it includes habits um, that um that help you learn new things that's always a good thing yeah and yeah to also heal those old traumas from the past that you know keep you stuck um and develop into those self-sabotaging habits or patterns that we all need to overcome at some point so it's it's about for me it's it's about asking the person what's your goal what do you want to achieve in the long run how can we get there and how can we make sure that you do not burn out in the process so it involves exercise it involves diet it involves sleep patterns um yeah and different exercises depending on where the person is at do you find a lot of people that achieve like uh, go through burnout are more on the sort of type a personality like the entrepreneurs the, yes. the leaders working like long hours they they start a business because they think they're going to have loads of time to do what they want and then they end up working more <laughs> hours than if they had a job type thing absolutely i think that's a very common pattern and i think one of the things why that happens is that initially when you start to build a business you have to put a lot of effort in and for a lot of people it's also a rewarding exercise when you think about it it's it's kind of like gambling i always like to think about it like like it's so similar to gambling when you build your business you never know what's going to happen there's a lot of uncertainty you're facing and you have these rewards that are a few i and can far definitely agree with you there the last two years it felt like i've been on a roulette wheel right <laughs> it is <laughs> right what's gonna happen next week <laughs> and the thing is it's the same for your brain right it's those high dopamine yeah. um, environments and that kind of can get you into this work addiction and that's what a, what happens to a lot of entrepreneurs and then it becomes about the chase it becomes about chasing the next success and somewhere along the line they lose or the meaning or the thing that initially was giving them pleasure or fulfilled them they just lose that along the way and it just becomes all about the chase that's when your dopamine system is completely out of whack <laughs> yeah and that, that's i'm guessing where some of these habits can can help out right is yeah like, like you said you know the exercise i mean ultimately a lot of it comes but down to just being able to think clearly and you know make good decisions in the moment based on what you want and not not what other people want um what do you find what what have been some habits that you have implemented in your own life that have really sort of paid dividends um I think exercise is always one of those keystone habits that everyone should somehow incorporate into their days. So um, I'm a runner. <laughs> I love running. So right now I go for a run probably at least five times a week. I do it in the mornings because I know that if I don't do it in the mornings, I probably don't do it because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, um, you know, I, I'm I might be tired, I might just be hungry and not feel like going for a run. So I do it first thing in the morning. Um, and this has worked really well for the last ooh, probably 
five or six years. Before yeah. that, I tried to go running in the in the evenings or I tried to do my exercise at the end of the day. Yeah. And then I found that so many times it, I just didn't do it. Yeah. Because willpower is a limited resource, right? And at the end of the day, you often feel like, oh, I can't be bothered anymore. So do it in the morning. Yeah, and you get you get that dopamine hit, that runner's high, um, yes. which is really is very powerful, isn't it? That that dopamine hit really kind of like you just. I, I've just started increasing my own running for an event in in October, and you know I hadn't haven't done this much running for a while, and it's you kind of forget. Wow, this feels really mm. good. The endorphins, right? Mm. Yeah, it's it's great, and it helps you um, to decrease all your the the stress hormone levels etc and uh, it activates things like brain-derived neurotropic factor which is good for forming new connections in your brain and yeah it, it just it helps you to start your day off right and get into the right uh, frame of mind to to focus uh yeah it's, it's a great one, one of the habits that we have in our scorecard at lpt on our perfect 10 scorecard is um, a decompression habit so essentially something that is going to kind of get your nervous system parasympathetic mm -hmm. you know help you rest digest um so whether it's breath work or meditation or just getting getting a good night's sleep i'm guessing you would have that in the bracket of high performance habits right yes yes absolutely i do breath work as well i do meditation as well um something else that i found super um helpful recently is long deep stretches they yeah. also activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And especially if you do more running. <laughs> yeah, I've my... just, you know what? I've just noticed that I've got to, I've got to stretch more because, oh my God, yeah. my hamstrings are like. Exactly, wood. right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I noticed too. And actually I'm, I'm challenging myself to maybe, maybe run my first 50K ultra marathon this year. Wow. But I haven't done that much running over the, last, over the winter. So it's like okay i need to add in some extra habits that you know habits always have to reflect your current situation it doesn't make sense to just carry on a habit that's not useful for you in your current situation or for the goals that you want to achieve so for this ultra marathon for instance um i have to add in more strengths like core strength exercises as well because that's just something that i will need if i want to achieve that goal maybe it hasn't been that important in the past and i could just you know go running because i enjoyed running but if i want to focus on a specific goal then i might have to change my habits accordingly yeah i really like what you said there about what a high performance habit is and you know for the listeners i think that's a really good point to take away is that you know ultimately it is what it means to you it's it's almost like a value isn't it like if you value yeah. something really highly you know because ultimately i i've, I've often thought of high performance habits as like you know it's, it's what are the secrets that the real high performers of the world are doing but ultimately everyone's going to have different wants and needs um so it's to some extent i mean obviously there's always going to be themes with people whether it be exercise breath work cold showers you know the, the norm journaling but you know if you can find a habit that has a real powerful effect in your life and you can commit to it and be intentional about it then that is probably going to you know help in terms of you becoming a high performer because ultimately it just 
it comes down to well, what does high performance mean i suppose isn't it and that's mm. going to mean different things to different people for um, a mum that you know looking after a family that's going to be just being a great mum and you know doing all the things that a mum does or for a, a leader or an entrepreneur it's going to be the ability to lead the team make good decisions that are going to grow the company so i suppose that's the one of the first steps is identifying what does high performance mean to you exactly defining your success and then breaking it down into action steps and into habits that you can implement on a daily basis but when we talk about habits one of the things that i also like to like people to understand is that it's great to have those habits it's great to be consistent but you should not get so rigid that you can't respond to your current situations or to new things that come mm. up because that's the other extreme that i see so some people are on the extreme that they do not have those habits so they're like just winging it or trying to wing it and then there's the other side the other extreme where people get so rigid that if something comes up and they cannot do their usual habits that's when they fall apart so yeah. you want this golden like the way the middle way or whatever you call it the 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 one in the middle where you have the habits but you're still responsive enough and flexible enough to adapt to a new situation yeah extremes are always a bit dangerous aren't they you can be yeah. uh, you know uh, extremely obsessive about something and that can have its downsides and then you can also be extremely not bothered about anything <laughs> which also definitely has its downsides and so it's, it's I, I guess it all just comes back to this whole theme of, of self-awareness and you know like you said understanding what is important to you you know, I mean, this is a big part of we're currently running a course at LPT called the Weight Loss Mindset. And a lot of that is just really around understanding your, your values, why your certain behaviors are important to you. Um, and, and so it all, yeah, this stuff really inter, inter, interlines and inter, interlinks with everything, really. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, have you got any other sort of big tips um, for the listeners to, to take away any sort of message that, you know, that means a lot to you and on this topic, Claudia? Um, a message that I always like to spread is <laughs> the, it, it doesn't matter what you look at. It matters what you see, because the, it, it's really about you becoming aware of your own, perceptions of your own interpretations and of how you see the world of of your filters really of your beliefs and why you see the world the way you see the world i i always like to to tell people to question their own truth because that's something that we don't usually do right we get to a certain age and we just believe the world is as we see it but <laughs> that's not really true it's we have become the person who sees the world in a certain way and if we can change that we see a different world so that that's one of the things that i like to yeah no i love that i love that if it, it it doesn't matter what you look at it matters what you see yeah that's awesome um one of the questions i always like to finish with claudia is what is my obviously this podcast is called mastering you so what does self-mastery mean to you 
I think that self-mastering to me means exactly what we talked about in the entire episode, to really become aware of what it is that is motivating me, what's, what's driving me, why do I react in a certain way, and how can I change that if it does not support my goals? So that's mastering me. Fantastic. <laughs> And um, I noticed you have like a, a free little audio for people to listen to. Would, would that be where best people can go first? Where, where's where's best place to, for people to find out more about your work and, and what you do, etc.? I know you've got your own podcast as well, so feel free to plug away. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I do have my own podcast, which is called the Wired for Success podcast. And I invite people to listen to it if, if they would like to. Um, I also have my website at www.wiredforsuccess.solutions. And people can download this brain priming audio file if they like the one that you just mentioned. So it really just helps them to get into the right frame of mind early in the morning, because the way you start your day sets the tone for the rest of the day. So it's just to get them into the right frame of mind. Fantastic. Okay, well, check that out, guys. Um, we'll put the link to that in the show notes anyway. Um, meanwhile, you know, feel free to check out the Wired for Success podcast um, with Claudia as well. I'll definitely be doing that. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Claudia. Really enjoyed this conversation. Um, yeah, any last words of wisdom? <laughs> thank you. Just thank you. <laughs> thank you. Brilliant. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye.